Hey there, everyone. From beautiful Fort Collins, Colorado, halfway between Cheyenne and Denver, and 5,003 feet above sea level, I'm Jeff Haber, and you're listening to No Bed of Roses. No Bed of Roses is brought to you by Conexus. Maybe your company is creating video content or you're a brand looking for that coveted direct connection with viewers. Maybe you're an established YouTube creator or you're just starting out. Conexus Interactive Web Video Solutions enables viewers while watching your videos to simply tap on the items they're interested in, directly connecting them to the merchant's shopping cart to easily purchase those items. This all happens without ever leaving the video experience and without ever leaving the site where they started watching the video in the first place. Connexus shoppable video content works using any browser on any device. No download, no plugin, nothing to install. Interactive video like you've always wanted it. Find out more at connexus.com. That's K-E-N-X-U-S dot com. Welcome back, everyone. We have Kevin Hall again joining us for today's episode. Do you know someone in your life, or perhaps you are someone, who just seems like they don't care about what's going on? in a relaxed kind of way. Are you like that? Kevin talks about this a bit with us and also going up on your lines in front of an audience and more with Kevin Hall. Here's Kevin. Certain people have a quality that they, they don't give a shit in a in an attractive way that draws people, things, and opportunities to them. You're reminding me of when, once again, we were in LA, and that's the kind of that was the guy who always booked the audition. Right, right. He, bo- like, he, he booked the yeah. gig. I don't really, I don't give a shit. And I remember having these conversations with you, where I mean, you're reminding me that the, there was this one particular guy I think that you knew that just he worked all the time and he didn't care. Yeah, he didn't give yeah. a shit. And I think we all knew people like that. We, I, I go in so wound up. And I got yep. I got to make rent. <laughs> I you know I just yeah, in, yeah. go down in flames and after uh, hello right. I mean yeah and, and, yeah I it, mean there's a guy like in the in the waiting line in, in the waiting room in the thing and it's like hey man how are you he's like yeah yeah he's like yeah he's uh, like just uh, just got to just got to pay some bills I got to I got to book this thing and you know I got to pay some bills so I'm like this my career depends right. on this and that, I, you know, and that's like, the guy who got it you know? that's the guy who got it and it was yeah. his 15th national so right, right. yeah and then he, then he's like simultaneously talking about like quitting the business he's like right. eh, this is lame like i'm going to do something else yeah and, and and of course he had a great surfing session that morning right, right. i mean it's right. the guys <laughs> you love to hate it's, yeah yeah, yeah. I, I was, and it's funny like i think like when i do look back the meetings and appointments and stuff where where i did book stuff and I tried to examine my mindset. It was when I was more loose and more, you know, to use the example of like, not that I didn't give a shit, but I mean, kind of take it or leave it. I'm here for the experience. I'm enjoying myself in the moment. This is cool. You know, whatever happens, happens. And then lo and behold, you get the call from your agent. 
insane how you booked it. It's crazy, right? I mean, there's definitely something about it. I remember I had a teacher in New York, Kevin, I think I talked about once before this guy, Jim Bafico, and he said, you know, it's, it's, it's a very simple thing, guys. You actor walks into a room and I'm the producer, I'm the writer, I'm the director. We're sitting there and we're a bunch of knuckleheads and we're looking for somebody to come in that door and solve a problem for us. Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he goes, and actors, <laughs> actors are not thinking about that. They're just right. thinking what we just said. Right? Oh my God, I got to get this. And my parents, I'm not getting, I, I can't, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to make There's like this rent. air of desperation. Desperate. Just re Des of desperation. Desperation. And, and, and and that's the, the that's like repellent, and and <laughs> and not only that, yeah. it just shuts you down and doesn't let you be, as you said, in the moment and creative. A good example from a personal story is when I was in that very small class with someone whose name you would know, Julia Roberts, yeah. mm -hmm. and I think there were twelve of us in the class, very small, if if twelve, and you would get your sides, five pages of sides, and you had maybe. 10 or 15 minutes to memorize your sides. It was, you had to learn your lines, come in, hit your mark and roll and put it down on, on tape. Yeah. And that's when I tell these stories, Oh, we used to practice in a broom closet together, whatever. Yeah. And yep. she, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And she, cause it was not, it was, it was uh, lower Manhattan and it's uh, like Washington, pre, pre mystic peace days, right? Right like, before she, and, right before yeah. she, Eric, she was crashing at Eric's house. She was, I didn't even know who the hell she was. As a matter of fact, I, <laughs> Uh, I was the hot shot because I had just been signed. My band had just been signed to Columbia records. And so uh, okay. the teacher of the class, I remember said, I will, I will direct your music video for you. And Judy goes, can I be in the video? And I didn't know who the hell she, I mean, she was just a cute girl that was, and that we, and we liked each other. And I said, yeah, I, I'm sure when we get to do a video, I guess, I don't even know yeah. what the hell I said. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, like, a, you know, it's just really folding chairs in a crappy room with a camera on a tripod. This yeah, was, yeah. but she was, she was staying at Eric's and Eric had done Pope of Greenwichville. Eric was the big star. He was the breakout guy. And so we would, we would do, I mean, again, if you look at the, t at the, at the footage, Kevin, she just didn't know her lines. She, she, you know, she was just stumbled through stuff and I would, I would know all the lines and I, but I'm so tense and she's so natural. She's so relaxed. And, but it was, she didn't care, man. I had a different experience with her years and years later after we had promised whoever makes it, whoever makes it first mm -hmm. uh, is going to help the other one that here I am with <laughs> you. So that, that didn't happen. Uh, no offense, Kevin. I love you. Uh, <laughs> oh, jeez, man. Come on. <laughs> I love you. See how relaxed you are when you were doing that. It was very believable just now. Yeah. But the I, thing I with her was, it Watch was, out. she was to me, she was, uh, she was clearly joyous. And, and very lightweight about it. Of course, she left class to go off and do Mystic Pizza, which was a big hit in the beginning mm -hmm. of her career. Yeah. But it was that natural thing, man. And she was just easygoing. And, and I mean, it was just, and fun. I mean, we stood in the snow in Union Square Park. That's where we mm -hmm. were. Mm -hmm. So Washington Square, Union Square Park, trying to decide, should we go to Eric's apartment? He was out of town, but I had a serious girlfriend who was... I was about to be engaged to, I didn't even, I mean, we might've been engaged at that point. I can't even mm -hmm. remember. And, uh, that's where we kissed and said goodbye. And that was mm -hmm. the last, last time I saw it. I was right, right. It was a pretty good scene snowing and light snow right above the steps to the subway. 
And uh, uh, yeah. yeah, and I said goodbye to her. The next time I saw her, Kevin, I <laughs> the next time I saw her, I was wearing a blue Nike no sweat wicking kind of shirt with my khakis because I was a tour guide at Warner Brothers, uh-huh. and she was a huge star, and she was there to do conspiracy theory with Mel Gibson. Oh, yeah. yes. How many years later was that? Would you say? Okay, so we were. When did we do this thing? It was, was that like 84, 85, Kevin, that we were in class together? I want to say because I 90s, think, 90. No, are you talk, you're no. talking about it with Julia Roberts? Yeah, with Julia Roberts. Yeah, because I think, I think, wasn't Mystic Pizza about 84? I, I, I think like because I did the Cannonball Run. That was the other thing. She was so into, I was, I was racing for, uh, I was racing for Jeep in the Cannonball Run. She thought that was really cool. But so that was got to be 84, 85, somewhere around. Okay. There. Yeah. I just looked up Myst- Mystic Pizza says 88. Yeah. So, but, but that's when it was released, right? So she right, shot right. it in 86, 87. Yeah. So probably like 85, somewhere around, right there. around there. I was really friendly with Richard Donner, Dick Donner, the director, and a lot of the guys on that show on that movie had left a note with her security guards and hey julia what you know remember and right it's in yeah and so i was standing in the stage uh, on the sound stage one day and mel we were all hanging out and then mel walked on onto the set and julia came on and everybody I don't want to get it. She she was having, I think there was not a lot of love with a lot of people at that point in her career. Mm. And so the whole mood changed. And yeah, everybody stopped talking. And so she walked by and I was standing there and she walked, kind of walked by me and then stopped and turned and we looked at each other. And I remember, I remember Richard Siebert, the art director standing next to me was one of those. What's that about? And then she, (laughs) she, 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 she walked on. And I, I kind of want to say, like he said, something like, what's that about? And what's that about? Yeah. What's going on yeah. here? Long story. And, yeah. but she never acknowledged me beyond that. She had some, she had some bumps years and years later. Then I became kind of sort of friendly with, uh, with her brother, uh, who she, ah. Eric, who actually lived yeah. across the street from us when we were up on Franklin and Fuller, but he was, oh, in, is that right? yeah, he and his wife, who's lovely. They were really involved in, uh, best friends, animals. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Big, big animal people and, and, uh, just, uh, really nice. And, and, um, you know, a gazillion lifetimes ago, but going yeah. back to what I was saying, it was what you were talking about with that guy. She just didn't really care. There are athletes that have that, that are, that are gifted athletes that are just wild genetic, you know, genetically gifted humans that can do things that others can't. And, and, and also have that air about them that can be kind of somewhat aloof or arrogant or cocky that sort of in my experience kind of tends to sort of cohabitate with that the the two go sort of hand in hand but then there are the very special cases where it's it's endearing and it's sweet and it's sincere and and at the same time they don't give a shit and that's like rare and cool yeah and i just saw it i think when it was when it was young and real and fresh that's just who she was and it translated it was glorious it was beautiful and it was all the things we said it was fun it was playful and it worked i was uptight and intense and way too serious way too serious actor guy yeah uh, I mean, well, what, what you said a, a little uh, a little bit ago about producers or you know you're in a casting session and, and they've got these these actors walking in that the the people that are trying to cast somebody are, are thinking about solving a problem i remember uh, listening to leslie odom jr talking about how he was in this huge rut in his career after he'd already been very successful 
but he had gone, I don't know how, you know, quite a while without booking anything and started getting kind of negative and started having a bad attitude. And someone introduced him to an acting teacher that really helped him turn things around. And the acting teacher, I'm sort of paraphrasing, but what, what I got from this was the acting teacher said to him kind of what you just said, listen, the producers or, or, or casting people, they're trying to solve a problem. They're not you know, they're not looking at you like the the next big thing or who am I going to discover here? He was talking about going in for like literally a Volkswagen commercial. You know, this is not some like Broadway show that he's trying to audition for or, you know, like a, a big part on like some big budget movie. It was just like, I'm trying to get a job and trying to get a paycheck right. after having already been relatively successful. So his his acting teacher said, well, listen, think about this. Use your Volkswagen commercial as an example. How what's what's a budget on you know the the normal Volkswagen commercial and they I guess he sort of asked a rhetorical question around the classroom and then said okay guys give me any you know people in this classroom give me an example of what you how much do you think Volkswagen and their ad agency spend on a you know a global campaign for Jetta or whatever and people are like I don't know a million dollars and some five million you know no try like fifteen twenty million dollars you know that's just as much as you know a, a uh, feature film budget, but this is to make, uh, you know, an advertising campaign for one car when they're coming, you know, bringing actors in what they're looking for are business partners. And so that kind of helped me go, Oh, wow, that's, that's cool. That's a really cool concept for, you know, your problem solver, you're walking in the door. And, and that's what Leslie Odom Jr. said, helped switch things around for him when he started walking in the door with a different mindset. I'm walking in the door thinking to myself, like a business partner with somebody that's got $20 million that wants to advertise for a Volkswagen Jetta or the next thing or the next movie or whatever, how can I help partner with them? And I, I'd never thought of that in all the years of you know working in LA and acting and, and walking indoors. Um, I had never been introduced to the idea of, okay, well, when you're walking in, you're, you're partnering with these people and they're looking at, t- at you, whether you're going to be a viable partner for their 20, their next $20 million venture or whatever. And from there, he apparently in his acting class, he had the opportunity to go be, you know, acting classes have sort of the introductory sort of the intermediate level. And then the advanced where, you know, you're working with other working actors, but he told the acting teacher, he said, I want to start from the very beginning. And so he's got everybody who are just aspiring stay-at-home parents from Reseda that wanted to try out acting, you know, and, and they're going to go in this acting class. And then you got people that are who have never never done anything in their lives regarding performing. And so he, he could have gone to, you know, the advanced class, but he said, no, I want to start at the very beginning. I just want to shed everything. I want to start over from scratch. He had a lot of good things to say about to sort of just changing his mindset. But the one, the one big takeaway that I got from it was just the whole business partnering. It's rare that people are, are, are just cool going to, I mean, even just getting to the audition, you're freaked out. I mean, it was such yeah, a hassle yeah. and for the people, I remember friends who had kids and just so stressed. All and so, the choreography of, you know, good, orchestrating everything. Right. And, and just yeah. getting off from work. I mean, everything about it compared to the kid who, and I used to come from Queens, take two buses, two trains and a bus <laughs> for a three minute, if it were a go see. And it, you know, I wasn't living in Manhattan like an idiot. So I wasn't, I wasn't cool Casey Neistat who hopped on my skateboard and just rolled down and go, hey, what's up? Yeah, uh, you yeah, know, yeah. okay, take my picture. I just spent six hours trying to get there to for get three there, minutes. Yeah, like sweating right? and losing oh, your to- mind. Yeah. Totally. That guidance, Kevin, it sounds like it resonated for Leslie Odom, maybe for you and for me. And that when that teacher just said, you know, we're sitting there, we've got investors, the clock is ticking. We are right. hoping the next person that walks through the door is that person is yeah, the one who's yeah. going to solve the problem. And all, all the things you said, I mean, then along with that is, is this somebody that we can work with? 
in the shit, in the trenches right. for the next whatever it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. And the, you say, you say the clock is ticking and, and that, if I'm being honest with myself, the things that we hear about and that are said to us, you know, especially in, in show business as we're pursuing a career or, you know, have some semblance of a career at any point, I have always felt like the clock is ticking. There's, there are these periods, these chapters. I mean, I, you know, as a kid, I, I did a thing and I heard, I heard Mike Myers talking about this and it I totally related to it where he said, you know, you're, you're this as a kid and you have some talent and you maybe find some success age 10, 11, 12, 13, you know, elementary school, whatever, you know, you're this unique kind of product, if you will, that you're a kid and, oh, that's neat. He's got the extra little, but then as you jump out of that little pool of kid youth, you know, you've had some success and you're sort of finding that beginner's luck sort of a thing. And perhaps jump into you know a bigger pool, you know, a sort of a smaller fish in a bigger pond kind of a thing. You're you're no longer sort of like this unique. Isn't that cute that he can do that little dance number? Isn't that cute that he can do the moonwalk? For me personally, you know, when I'm a late teenager into my early twenties, and have had you know some success in the Bay Area and, and San Francisco among you know sort of a peer group, and then you're you're in. The pros, so to speak. I mean, we talked about this before, how one day to the next, you can go from trying to figure out how you're going to pay rent to whether that's booking an, a national commercial and you're making several, several hundred thousand dollars a year or a big part in a movie or a TV show, like instantaneously. The things that I feel like where the clock is ticking, you're sort of moving through these. And, and I've, I've, I think I've hopefully transcended that. I feel differently now. But I mean, for a long time, I felt like opportunity is leaving. Like it's sort of like, the tide is receding, you know, it's like going out and I don't know when the tide's going to come back because the, the commodity that, that I am or was had like a shelf life, you know, when your, your agent or, or casting people are comparing you to, you know, well, we're looking for a Matthew Broderick like, or a river Phoenix like, or a Seth Green like, or whatever the, the, the like type thing that they were looking for that's fleeting and that's leaving and it's sort of receding and going away. And then as you, if I told you the story about going to see a, a, a manager who was looking at managing me and after I did a scene for him with a scene partner in his class and it was, it was more entertaining now, I guess it was probably a little bit hurtful and, and, you know, when you sort of take it introspectively and go like, geez, what did he just say? After having a conversation and sitting down in his office and we're just chatting and he literally, like he was just dropping a fact. He said, you know, I, I just don't think so. And I said, what do you mean you don't think so? He said, I just, you know, um, you, you, and I'm probably 26 at the time. He says, you're just, you're, you're not going to be interesting as a man again until you're in your forties. And I thought, oh, like I just got hit in the stomach. Like, you know, and I, I walked out of there and kind of laughed, but I was like, this is one unlicked cub's opinion or something like that was said to him at some point. So he got into sort of a different spoke in the wheel of the showbiz industry. You know, and you know, now he's being a talent manager and an acting class teacher or whatever. But it was like that was that was an odd thing to say, which And made you were me feel, you were how how old were you when you did I was this? like twenty twenty six or twenty seven, something like that. Well, so you, you got a you got 14 years to cool your heels, man, because you're not so, interesting until 40. That's it. So, and, and I and I joke with Kristen all the time now because I'm in my 40s. I'm like, hey, look at me. I am interesting now. Most, most interesting <laughs> look guy Look how I know. interesting I am now so because I'm in my very 40s. Interesting. Because of what dude said. So, I mean, I don't know. And, and so as I, as I move past, you know, I've got years obviously behind me now of, of other pursuits and other business ventures and other successes and failures and, and life experience and 
and and whatnot. So it's not so much of like everything in my soul riding on on you know live or die success of of making it as an actor. But it was you know there's definitely time and like what we're talking about giving a shit and the sense of you know these fleeting opportunities coming and going and but then you just have to for me personally I just have to realize that obviously you know we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring I mean obviously there's something to be said for being proactive and, and moving in a direction that you're you're pursuing or you're pursuing something or you're trying to get better at a craft playing the violin or jazz dancing or whatever you know it helps to obviously continue to work on your your instrument so to speak but that feeling of of age and being at a point where it's like i suppose authentically not not giving a shit in a way that uh, you know i go back to that not i don't want that to sound insensitive or or like i because i'm i like i can't fake that i i i think i just care too much and it's like probably comes out of my pores sometimes you know i think that gets paired with like wanting to be liked and and you know not wanting to piss people off and hey look i am a professional hey i am a good partner you know i'm accountable i show up i do what i say i'm gonna do and yet, yet you watch these people who who aren't and they're flaky and they aren't reliable yet they're the ones getting hired for so it's like just sort of a weird dichotomy but i guess now it's it's arrived at a point in life where I'm at peace with with stuff and I know where my talents lie and I know where I find joy and find happiness you know in that space performing or or recording something or doing comedy or writing something I mean I just I it, there's a different I, I don't have to have someone's approval for hey good job hey attaboy good good job there you know it's like i i've i guess it's the steel has sort of kind of hardened in the in the kiln or like it's been you know blacksmithed enough to where it's you know I, the the edge is sharpened over time and i kind of know where i'm at with things well it sounds very evolved of you but i call bullshit because as an artist which you are the truth for you and for me and for us is that that audition never really stops. The audition experience that they have is when they interview for a job mm -hmm. and they'll do it once. They'll do it. In my case, they'll do, I'll do it 65 times yeah. as for, for a job. But it, and when you're auditioning is for, uh, and you're, you're in the arts, it never ends. Right. It, I mean, it just, it never ends. And the, the reality of the ticking clock I was talking about, the ticking clock for on the business side, right? On the other side of the table for the producers, they've got the investor, they've got the money tied up in yeah. escrow. They've got to, they've got to make this thing happen. They got to make it happen now for us as performers, as artists, Kevin, that ticking clock is, is real. And it, it is real for all the reasons that you just said that it, you're, you're the young, cool, quirky high school kid and then you're the young cool quirky college kid and then are you still being cast below your actual <laughs> age or are you are you not or are you right. you're now the weird uncle suddenly who's never been married yeah He's oh yeah 100 percent. i mean i'm and 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 thank you for for calling me on it i mean there there are there are times too where you question am i in decline because i've had moments where i you know i've fully blanked like i've fully gone up like, I think I'm, I've, you know, worked out a monologue and then they're like, whenever you're ready. And I'm like, I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, what the I'll fuck be right back. <laughs> Literally. Like, 
what in the hell? I've, I've done that a couple of times over the last few years, you know, where I, you know, I went. Are, I are you still like auditioning? A, you said last few years. Are you still out there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, yeah, for sure. Oh, good. Okay. Then. Yeah, I, I'm okay. totally, you know, awesome. per- perpetual masochist. Yes. Yeah, um, well, then I, I, <laughs> I stand on my I call bullshit thing you, right yeah, there. Th- yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't even know I, that. I, I went to a, uh, for the repertory cast of Boise Contemporary Theater, and they basically said, you know, pick a contemporary monologue and, and do that. I think, you know, working and, and being exhausted and, you know, trying to get sharp on this uh, monologue that I was trying to put together, I literally, I, I think I was able to get through, like, the first line, and I just lost the whole thing. It was just, like, blank. I'm like, Jesus Christ, do, okay, I, hold, do I have dementia? Take, hold on. Take us there. Is this, this is a community theater? It's 99 cent and 99, 99 cent. 99 yeah, I mean, it's, seats. It's, it's what equity waiver, whatever that means. 99 um, seat. I gave blood yesterday. And, oh, you did? Uh, yeah, which I'll tell you, we have stand no chance. COVID is going to, I mean, this is at a place where they collect your blood. <laughs> the phlebotomist, the dude's got his mask off in one room. Oh, but what God. The, uh, I, would, okay. I, would, I would be horrified. You're oh, yeah. My wife, I said to Chris, yeah. okay, we, the last time we gave blood was uh, post 9-11. And a call went out two weeks ago in the local paper that they were short on blood. So absolutely we're going. And I'm thinking if any place is going to have its act together, it's going to be UC Health. No, no, no. They interview me in a tiny, cl- like a broom closet. And this time I'm not with Julia Roberts. I'm in a broom no, closet with, somebody, with a phlebotomist. With a phlebotomist who I said, so did you get your shot? She goes, no, I already got COVID. I'm thinking, oh, God, get me out of here. Get me out of here. We digress. So you're in a, th- <laughs> it's another story. So we're, you're in a theater. I'm having to keep my cool here, Kevin, because you're yeah. telling me a story about community theater. I got Waiting for Guffman spinning in the back of my head. Arcadia, and, but yeah. What is Arcadia? It's a play by Tom Stoppard. My sister, oh, Shay, oh. who's a, um, uh, Tom okay. a, a theater major and, and, you know, she, studied now she lives in london and she went to do her master's degree program with like the national theater oh. in london so she's like an encyclopedia i mean she is versed skilled nice you know talented we need to get know. her on the show let's get her on the show yeah oh she would love it she would love it let's get her on the show. great and so i'm asking her what's a good contemporary monologue for me to do so she said you know here are a few try this this and this in arcadia so you know these theater heads who are you know they, they know every show every character it's it's like me you know reciting lines from men in black i'm you know, a dork when it comes to like memorizing goofy movie lines from right. like, is that better? When was that Rip Torn? Though well, Rip Torn's like, the exodus continues, my friend. Uh, is that better? Is um, Vincent D'Onofrio where he stretches oh. his face back? Oh, right, right, right. Um, when you when they say, okay, well, what have you prepared for us today? And I say, Arcadia with such shrimp and such scampi. And all, ah. I made you a shrimp scampi. That's what I've done. <laughs> I sent <that> wrong. <laughs> Chips Campia with the side of lemon yes, slices, yes, lemon wedges. Yes. Um, so they all, all knew it, like the back of their hand. They're like, "Oh, we love that part. Great. Uh, okay, so whenever you're ready." Ah, uh, uh, doomed. Yeah. Anything about Tom Stoppard or Arcadia or anything in between. And so apparently the actor who who played the part, you know, was either nominated or won a Tony. And so this is a big, you know, a big bit. Yeah. Everyone like in the theater world, theater heads totally know it, totally get it. And I literally I got through like one one or two lines. And then I just sort of, I, I did just doing the best that I could professionally it was like, I kind of paraphrased and sort of went with what I thought it should be. But these guys were looking for exact and precise and like it on the page and on the stage kind of thing. Sorry, guys, I, I just lost it. I, they're like, yeah, take a minute. Do you need a minute to, to uh, re- collect yourself? And I said, uh, sure. So, you know, I tried to kind of like 
regroup and, and go at it again. It just wasn't there. It just was Actually, not there. This would be more like a few hours, maybe days. I might need hours or days. <laughs> Next how, season, maybe. How much time? Um, time it's so, God, you just telling me an audition story where a talented guy and a mega talented guy like you walks walks in. You're very sweet, Jeffy. Uh, you guys I, am, I am very sweet, but I also know what I'm saying. A mega talented guy like you walks into a community theater. How many people were in the 15th row looking at you? <laughs> Three. Three, three people three yeah. yeah three people from boise and i'm not saying this in a con- in a condescending way but yes i am uh and you walk in and they can't they can't feel it see it find it now i'm totally biased i get it but well, i tried to recover and and thank you jeff i mean I, that's that's a beautiful thing and and you know you and i have talked about so many things where i've been like a production assistant on a thing but in between setups i'm like doing a bit in front of like you know, the grips and everybody's like rolling, oh. laughing. I'm like, can I be in this? I would rather not be the production assistant. Can I be in this show that I'm holding, you know, carrying cables for? Right. But um, I actually said, um, I also do stand up. Um, I got I got a, you know, a real sharp five minutes. And they're like, well, we don't really use stand up material, uh, you know, for auditioning for, you know, the, the seasonal cast or whatever it was called. It was like the you know that that season they often they, they, do, do you know what, do you know what you were auditioning for were you just for the ensemble and the ensemble yeah, yeah. so you're mm-hmm. basically like a pool of actors that they right. draw for each of the shows that they do that season right did they have the list of shows did you know what was coming up N- no i didn't uh, no didn't idea know what they're doing yeah and, so you're about uh, you're about to go into oh calcutta do you know that that's the, that's the all nude that's the all nude no, play <laughs> is oh. it like a, a bollywood kind of thing or? it's uh um, no 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 it's a famous it was the first fully nude play on broadway uh, oh love it okay. oh yeah so. oh calcutta <laughs> oh calcutta yeah i'm gonna look that up yeah um, sort of, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so i asked them if, if i could do some you know a bit of my stand-up and they actually let me they it was it was cool they they um and they laughed and and they said we don't normally do you know stand-up material because this is you know contemporary theater and you know we're looking for skill set in that area and and you know stand-up is sort of a different skill set and uh, but they're like sure yeah go ahead and um so I did a few minutes of one of my bits and, and they laughed and they thought, that's really good. Yeah. You know, I, you know, and I guess I saw myself out and it was, it was shocking and, and a little bit of a kind of, Oh God, um, experience of that hasn't happened before where I've just completely blank, but I had had another, another similar thing where I was doing a, a really good friend of ours does hotel guest service training. Now you speak I, in my language. Yeah. There uh-huh. you go. And, um, He's he's also wicked talented, Marty Baird. Um, he's he's done this for years and years, and is they he, travel all over. And, is he in Boise with you also? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. We met because our, our kids were in school together, and you know we kind of hit it off and became good friends. And his company needed a bilingual instructor, and we went to a hotel that was reopening in Miami. Um, they had a you know. A huge number of staff that, that were Spanish speaking, predominantly Spanish speaking. I practiced his his sort of whole process, and it's a multi day training event. Basically, where you know they they kind of do all of the psychology approach and interactive, and you're you know you're throwing candy to people in, in the room, and they're catching and they're interactive, and you break up into groups, and you're over here, and you're you know looking at images up on the screen, and do you see a, an old lady carrying a, a bundle of sticks or a, an airplane flying through the sky? Like all kinds of just you know it's 
very involved, very, I, I enjoyed it. Adapting it to Spanish had never been done. And so I worked with, with Marty on doing the best version of, of, cause I'd watched him do it, but I had flown overnight, uh, from Boise. Um, I took a late flight, um, connected through Minneapolis and then, then down to Miami and I'd missed a flight. So I was, I, I, I think I was stuck in Minneapolis and got on a later flight. So I literally showed up. I, I was supposed to get there the day before so that I could meet Marty and get organized and then sleep that night. And then the next day do, do the, the classes. I literally was like running from the, the taxi into the hotel, into the thing, could throw all my shit in the room and then like run to the conference room. How many, so pe- like, how many people in the room? hundred? No, it wasn't. No? That. It was probably like 50 or 60. Okay. Um, 50, 50 or 60 Spanish speaking staff. Yeah. You know, I had a little bit to, I mean, like cutting it by, you know, under an hour to like start getting prepped, sweating, running, exhausted, no sleep. I'm on no sleep, Terry, <laughs> no sleep. And, um, uh, I'm getting That's in the place. And, uh, Marty did the intro for me, kind of like you would do at a stand-up bit. They're like, ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce Kevin Hall from, you know, so it's like Marty's in front and... He did He did some, the intro in Spanish or English? Uh, kind of English, mostly, and maybe said, like, gracias, and this is Kevin Hall. Uh, you're, you're, screwed um, al- you're screwed already. Like, <laughs> yeah, what? And, and we got execs, too, like the dudes in suits, like in the back of the room. like The GM. Their arms, or, yeah, like, yeah, right. Their that arms been, folded, like, yeah, that, what do you get? What? What mm-hmm, do you got? That like, show been. me, like, <laughs> what am I paying 14 grand for here? Like, what is this? Uh, we, I, I was trying to start. And I had my joke, my first five words that I'm going to say. And like, I'm looking across the room and I, like nothing's coming in my head. And all you're thinking is, man, I need a cheese Danish. <laughs> and like need... Marty's over there, like at the buffet having a banana. <laughs> I and need oatmeal. a cheese like, Danish. I would love to be able to have some of that oatmeal, Marty, please. I'm like sweating. Literally, I'm like, Jesus yeah. Christ, how many shows have I, like, I, I you, you know, just using Dos Amigos as an example. Right. Uh, we we would what'd do, you do what'd you do with nearly a thousand, hundred a thousand shows a year <laughs> for five years. So I mean, add that up. That's yeah, a lot of thousands, shows. A thousand shows. I'm thinking you did. A you know, and like Harriet Tubman. You know, a musical bit. You know, we're doing that and like traveling all over the place and like to stand in front of a room. I, I love being in that space. I mean, that's my. You know, it's a. I really. Uh, it's a good spot for me to be. I feel very natural. I feel like just I really enjoy that energy but to to feel that sort of shock and awe of like holy shit why isn't my brain working you know what happened am I, am I is, is there's like did a wire break in the connections inside my brain you know and it just like it, it's it, it was horrifying because no the words were literally not coming I'm like is there something wrong with me and then is this, and, a stro- and, is this, is this what a stroke is like am I having a yeah, stroke I'm the, I'm yeah. like, no doubt right like <laughs> right. It's, something, it's something like holy crap right. and Marty's in the back of the room <laughs> like doing the circle with his hand like come on come on come on you got it like in like mouthing words and and then like his expression that he uses is like the room wants you to be successful and we've heard that right you know in performance like the room wants you to be to do well like everyone that's watching they don't want to see you up there suffering or stammering or or losing your mind or having a meltdown they're like come on it's okay hit kid you got it do it i had this joke that i was supposed to do about shaquille o'neal in spanish in spanish yeah because i had done a lay's potato chips commercial uh in spanish that Shaq did so it was like no puedes comer solo una you can't eat just one okay and and we were the team that played against Shaq. we were los gigantes Oh, okay. you're the Giants. The Giants, yeah. yeah. So and so they hired what a, like a bunch of short guys to go, you know, put 
basketball uniforms on. But um, I digress. Yes. The joke was was supposed to be something along the lines of like, cuando era niño, cuando estamos jugando con Shaquille O'Neal en un comercial de papas fritas, no puedes comer solo una. And like, it would be like, you know, a funny joke because here I am, this chaparito, this short guy who's like contra el Shaquille O'Neal con Los Angeles Lakers. And, but I missed all of that. I totally, it just didn't, didn't come. But eventually like it kind of started kicking into gear and like muddled my way through it. And, but it was one of those, uh, there are two, there's the one with Boys Contemporary Theater. And that one where I recall just completely going up, just completely having, I got nothing. It's just blank. I'm on no sleep, Jerry. I'm just zero. And the crowd is fidgeting and they're just looking at you and looking at each other. What's this guy doing? He's well, I remember like that. Uh, there was a lady at one of the tables kind of off to my left. And she was kind of like nodding like, like a mom would, come on, honey. Like, it's okay. You mm-hmm. got it. Like, what, what, what? Come on. And I'm like smiling at her, like nodding my head. I'm like, esto es sí que sí con Shaquille. Ustedes conocen quién es, like, you guys know who Shaquille is? And they're like, yeah. Yo soy um, loco en yeah. la cabeza, lo siento. Ay, Dios mío. As it took off, we everything started going. Because he's got all this interactivity and you're like the squeezy, spongy little balls that you throw and then you're giving out gifts and stuff. So like, as it kind of took off, everybody began to enjoy it. I just pictured you taking squeezy, just throwing all these toys. Yeah. Throwing toys at them. Just play with this hula hoop, do something. Help you, me get out on, of this. Here, hole. Come up. Here's a jump rope. We're going to hear. Even with preparation, I guess there are other factors, right? Like exhaustion, no sleep, dehydrated. <laughs> you you know? th- yeah. You think <laughs> missing my flight and sitting in Minneapolis or whatever. That's pretty freaking stressful. But I mean, you got yeah. two different things. One, you went up in a performance. And the other was uh, you walking into an audition, which the audition thing seems so narrow to me. But I mean, I think it was George Clooney said, if I had an audition, I I would never work. He's terrible in auditions. You hear that. You hear that. Yeah. I mean, like, I think it was Henry Winkler that helped Harrison Ford because Harrison Ford would like go into the fetal. I don't know. He he was like bad (laughs) bad at auditions. Right. So it was like the audition itself is a performance. It just seems odd to me for you to walk into any theater, community theater and those and those guys. But community theater people can be so high and mighty and just so Uh narrow. I mean, that's where they just they miss the fact, wait, this guy, I guess if you stood there and you were mute, you know, they're not going to they're this. It's interesting. The silent thing. I'm doing a thing here. Right. It's it's a thing. I mean, (laughs) it seems probably something going on in there. Uh, so I guess I get that. I'm just being defensive uh, for, well, th- for you I because you, I know I mean, your amazing talent. So their lo- their loss. Yeah, I, I, in in it's, um, it's probably a crappy guess, season too. Redemptive quality of staying with it. A couple of seasons later, there was an event called Campfire Theater Festival. The Campfire Theater Festival, which also is hosted at the Boise Contemporary Theater, because it's a really, really cool old building in downtown Boise. And so I, I was able to return last season and do a, an incredible, incredible script. It was a staged reading of of a play that, you know, first getting to its feet, like kind of a workshop type of thing called Refuge. And um, it was, you know, another one of those just profound experiences, probably one of the really cool roles I've ever gotten to play. And in the audition that I screwed up for that, 
also because I'm supposed to do a monologue and monologues are, I guess, my kryptonite. But what happened in that monologue? Uh, same thing. I just I went up. First of all, I blame your sister. I, OK, I'm just, she's in <laughs> she's in London. So we can do. Is she in London? Is, is yes. She, yeah. How's yeah. she how's she doing there with all the crazy? They're, they're like she full safe? lockdown. She, they're they're yeah. tripping out. They thankfully they both have jobs that they can work from home. So they're good there. But I blame your sister. I blame her. <laughs> when we have her on the show, I'll tell her face-to-face, such that it is, that uh, she, she, you pick something that these guys know. Right, you right. Got, you got you to go, obs- <laughs> go more obscure because they have no idea what you're doing. Otherwise, they're going to hold you up against, oh, I remember when Tom Hulse did that. Uh, right, you know, right, right. Just, and and you're you're kind of behind the eight ball right there. Oh, Leslie Odom Jr. crushed that. I mean, Kevin, yeah, Kevin, yeah, Kevin. right. There, are, all they can see is Leslie Odom That's, Jr. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're just not going to see you. They 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 know that piece. So I completely blame your dramaturg sister. Okay, <laughs> coming, coming up with the Tom Stoppard thing for you. Not good. yes. Yeah. Okay. We, yeah, we got to work on that. Yeah. And the second one, you you went up on those lines too. But so was was that a table read, Kevin, on stage, or or did did you guys stand up and and kind of uh, walk through it? So the whole workshop was really, really cool. The the props and the costumes and the the sound design and the lighting and how it was it was I, I had some some moments during the performance and during the rehearsals too where uh I, I felt like literally felt emotion in, in such an authentic way that I have never felt performing before. Like so in the moment and so sort of tuned in to But you've to, done to sort of but you've done You've done plenty of plays, right? Ton, tons, tons, yeah. and tons. But you related I think it was the part. I you think did relate to the part. The character yeah, yeah. And like, nice. I think at this point in my life of, of being yeah. a parent and yeah. a husband and you know having yeah. a family and like there were some like pretty high stakes things going on in this story and and sort of literally immersing and soaking into the headspace of this guy. So there, there's um, a there's a nice jump right there, Kevin, to the where we really started down this rambling path was the ticking clock. And what you just said now, what you know, this character, this writing, where I am at this point in my life, that's something that when you were 21-year-old, Kevin, as talented as you were, there's no way you were going to bring to that role, even if somebody thought, oh, you can stretch, we can, we can, you just, you do not have that life experience. Right. And right. you cannot, you cannot bring that. You don't know that. As good an actor as you are. That's for the greatest actors. You ha- you haven't lived it. I think there was a Elaine Stritch was teaching a master class for Broadway. I had this when I was when I studied with Stella Adler. I mean, we we've had the we've had the luck of you and I both being with great teachers. Where she was telling this young woman who is singing the song, she, "Honey, you you can't sing you can't sing this song yet. You haven't had your heart broken badly <laughs> enough to right. sing this song. Right? right? You don't know." where this song is coming from. You can't ground or root yourself in this song. You just don't right. know it. You haven't lived it. You yeah. don't have the cell memory, the muscle memory. It's not in your DNA yet. You can, right. 100%. right? You can maybe, you can fake it, but it's different. Yeah, it, it doesn't right? come through your your pores energetically or, no, or you no. know, spiritually, cosmically, the way it would if you have had had lived Correct. Those and that's that life. that's that moment where you're not saying anything as an actor. That's that moment where you have completely embodied that character and it's the way your shoulders just slouch. It's the way you shift your weight because you have the weight of the world on you at that moment. Whatever it whatever it is. But that's because you know that. 
you've lived that. And that's different from as an actor, I'm going to search, I'm going to look at that, I'm going to see that. Maybe you can get there, but it's different. It's different. And so, you know, that only comes from living. That comes from being, that's, that comes from being scarred. That comes from being beaten up. John Huston, you you know, just all these guys who were great directors, great writers, great actors back in the day had so many different jobs, different careers, different things, but they they lived life. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So much. Uh, there's so much. And, and I find myself these days looking for perhaps some kind of, I guess, like guiding star or, or, or guidance of some kind from those who came before. Like you're talking about John Houston or like I'm, I'm listening to the audiobook of, of Alan Arkin's uh, sort of mem- memoir right now. God, is and, that great? Because uh, I'm a yeah, huge he's, Alan he's Arkin fan. It and t- Second City and like all just like he just and and loving him as a performer and as, as a... Have, have you seen The In-Laws with him and Peter Falk? No. Gotta I got to go back through his encyclopedia and master, like watch everything. This is a yeah. master class in comedy, these two guys, The In-Laws. Yeah. He talks about that. He talks about like all of his work and, and everything and struggles and trials and tribulations and everything else. When I read about people like this, and you and I have talked about this, it's like, I, I think I, there was some point where we were still at the Playhouse and, and somebody said, hey, we need actors for a show at the, at the Lee Strasberg Theater. I remember going and being in this play and it was, I think I was, I had a line or something. It was, you know, more just like the experience of, of seeing all of these people that I've seen on TV and in movies and everything. And, and you and I had talked about it at one point. I'm like, I'm in here and, and all these people are still trying to figure it out just the way you and I would in, you know, an acting class or at, in a, in a play that isn't some high profile play with, you know, a bunch of known actors. It's like, we're all in there. It's all, you know, we got our scripts in our hands. We're you know, working through the beats and the moments and, you know, some, some stuff is working, some stuff is not working and it's no different. And there's something profound about, I guess, when you have that realization, when you're, oh, you know, we're, we're all the same, we're all pursuing something. We're all sort of in these experiences and like embracing being number one, being professional and, and, and showing up and getting the, you know, doing your best and, and, being reliable and all that good stuff. But there's also just like, we talk about this now a lot with the kids where it's like, these are, these are peers and these are people that have, you know, of course, a lot of wisdom to offer and life experience that's going to come through your pores in those, in those performances and whatnot. But it's all layers. It's all these different levels. And and I think probably performance and, and show business just at large in general has something unique to it that you can certainly, you know, spend a lifetime immersed in it and, and working your craft. But then then there's also sort of that odd kind of unexplainable thing where somebody can just hop right into it and also not have trained at Juilliard and not have taken, you know, dance classes for their entire life and voice training and coaching and suddenly, you know, they're they're working at the highest levels in the industry of show business, right? So it's like, I guess as a younger person, there there was probably some of that like starstruck, like, wow, I'm I get to work with so and so. This is amazing. And then that certain that person's like, So how's it going, man? It's good. Uh, uh, you're talking to me, you know. And within what you're saying, though, Kevin, I think there are two very different disciplines, and this is stage stage acting and screen acting. We see all the time somebody who is just good at just being, and that's great. You don't need to act. I mean, that's to be on camera. You shouldn't act. That's the last right. thing that anybody wants, that a director wants or needs. Don't act. Just be. It's right. small. It's intimate. It's just be. There's so much time that's spent on getting actors to stop acting. That's very different from you standing up a play 
on stage where you have to bring a character to life really in real time without the benefit of editing and, and an amazing crew to make you right, look right. incredible. That, that's a whole different process, man. I'll put a True, camera on right. you and y- you could just be cleaning your teeth and you'll be the most interesting motherfucker that we've ever seen. <laughs> we go, How does this guy look at that acting? Look at it. Oh my goodness. Very, very different disciplines. Now is, is somebody just going to walk out of the crowd and get on stage and pick up that script and do that? Maybe, but I don't think so. Is somebody going to walk True, out of the crowd, right. stand in front of a camera and just be, and everyone's going to go, Oh my God. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Because that's the uniqueness of a person and the ability of that camera to capture that intimacy. And that's the magic of film and television and that close in medium. But that's not good point. That's huge, huge point. That's not stagecraft, man. That's totally it's a totally different discipline. And that's where you're not going to get up and and be a Broadway dancer without busting your ass five days a week in class, six hours. You're not. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. You're not not going to do it. You're not going to do it at that level. You're not going to be a performer like Leslie Odom Jr. on stage. You're not. not. Yeah, different deal. 100% different deal. It's like you reminds me of like stand up, like the gregarious, outgoing, you know, salesperson that can make people in the boardroom laugh because they're good at jokes or they're the, the life of the party. The craft is something that takes years and years to hone and sharpen and, and work on. So yeah, I mean the, the theater bit or the theater part of, of things is such a such a special, unique, timeless thing that you know you can walk into a theater in New York City and in Lincoln Center, or you can walk into Boise Contemporary Theater in Boise and like I've said before, like you you smell that paint, you smell that lumber, you smell that sort of that that you feel that kineticness in the air and that sort of buzz and that energy that's so oh, yeah. infectious and so oh, yeah. you know it just sucks you in like a freaking magnet. But you for know, you to stand on for you to stand on that stage and command the attention of whether it's a ninety nine seat theater, Kevin, or it's 750 uh, seat theater and all eyes need to be on you for that moment. That's very different on stage than me as a director having you and then t- and forcing everyone. I'm going to put the camera on you. That's, that's all. No one has a choice. That's what they're right, going to look right. at. I'm, yeah. I'm controlling that. That's a very different experience. Yeah, it sure is. From yeah. you as a performer being that open conduit, that open channel for this writing for this performance for this character to come through you and affect 750 people so they go sure. what the hell was that that's the magic of theater man and that's where right all, you know we're hooked on so yeah you're hooked on it and you're right. going on this, this it's like <laughs> more give me more oh, yeah, give me that's... more why now it's it's over now it's it. right over. like that's... and then you, it's, it's i guess that's the the thing i mean going back to like show that i did where it, it just ended too soon it was like it was you leave wanting more no matter what we talk about it's apparent that we're completely fucked up kevin because (laughs) (laughs) as as artists we just wind up circling back to this and you know i'm wringing my hands as i'm talking to you and you're telling your story and i'm thinking just to get in theater again and get but i mean COVID has shut that down now for you know Mm. for the foreseeable future but it's a thing that we can't get out of us we can't shake yeah and and, and i guess embracing it i think there's a power in letting go to a certain extent because it's like not judging myself or not being hard on myself uh, about things you know because i can tend to to be pretty rough on myself and critical one of the things i've learned over the last few years is kind of letting go of it and just uh, i think that's helped me a lot and and just 
being sort of more at peace because there is so much conflict, right? I mean, like what you're describing, I mean, we're totally screwed up, you know, it's like that you can't help it, but I like it. I, I embrace it. And it's sort of one of those things where one of, I guess, the big aha moments I've had in, in having some more years on this planet is, is try not to be so hard on myself. It's, it's a constant, ever evolving effort. I can be pretty freaking hard on myself and, you know, walking out of a place going, man, I, screwed that up, didn't I? You may yeah, have, it, listen, I'll just tell you, you, you may have screwed up that moment, that audition. But the thing is, Kevin, you're inherently talented. Nobody can take that away from you. No audition can take that away from you. No screw up. If that wasn't the right moment for whatever fact, life happens. Life yeah, happens. Yeah. But you were given a gift, or I always say, you, you, you were given a gift or a curse. And uh, <laughs> it, for me, in my life, it's certainly been both. 100%. Right? It's been both. Don't be hard. I mean, you can be hard on yourself because you're passionate. You care. That's the thing. It's, 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 you know, that was the thing with me going back with the Julia thing. Because I, I would just, I, I would get so frustrated. Come on, can't you be a pro? She just wouldn't focus. She wouldn't work. It drove me crazy. But that was the thing that was actually marketable. Ultimately, it was yeah. there's intensity, but there's just this relaxed kind of thing. And I was just, let's get this. I want let's learn these lines. Get you know, get, get let's do this. Let's do this yeah, right. Yeah. It was because I cared, but it was I won't say misguided or whatever. But now, in hindsight, you look at it, and I look at it, and I listen to you. You're talented, and you have that. And thank you. Jeffrey. No audition, yeah, no audition can ever, ever, ever take that away. That's it can. And, and thank and, you, man. And, yeah. and nailing an audition doesn't bestow it on you either. True. And that's, that's the flip side of it. That's so important. I'm glad you said that. You know, it doesn't, you showed up with what you got, whether yeah. they acknowledge it and it's the timing is right. And all those things, I don't 100%. know. That's the thing. And I think as artists, we always go, Oh my God, that thing you're talking about that validation, we don't have it. We don't get it. Right. Anyway, we could go on and on because we're so fucked yeah. up. I love you. Have an <laughs> awesome <love> week. <laughs> and I'll talk to you soon. Okay. All right, Jeffy. All right, Kevin. That does it for today's episode, and perhaps you figured out who you would rather be in a broom closet with, Julia Roberts or your favorite phlebotomist. There's no right or wrong, no judgment on this, it's just whatever feels good. Oh, well, we shared some of our episodes together in Los Angeles and some of my experience in New York and even in theater in Boise, Idaho for Kevin. Lots of different stories. Hopefully you enjoyed yourselves. Until we meet again, stay safe. And remember, you will find no bed of roses wherever you find fine podcasts. See you soon.